0: I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org.
1: Chronic absenteeism is a precursor to dropping out of high school. That's what scholars have found. What can we do about it? How do we mobilize national and local resources to really identify the problems that young people face uh, early on in their educational experiences so that they do not escalate and lead to the dropping out of the high school or not continuing on beyond that? Uh, that is a question that we're going to discuss on this education podcast. I'm Paul Peterson, Editor-in-Chief at Education Next, and I have with me Leslie Cornfield, who serves as a special advisor to the U.S. Department of Education Secretary of Education, and she is the Director of the Department's Office of Strategic Partnerships. And in that role, she is advancing this agenda of uh, let's address chronic absenteeism. She's building on her experience uh, in the Bloomberg administration in New York City, where the uh, basic ideas were developed. Uh, so I have with me today Leslie Cornfield, and Leslie, it's just a pleasure to have you with me. Uh, I'm especially pleased because you're a Harvardian and uh, went to the college here, went to the law school, and it's great uh, to have you back on the campus. But let's get down to what's really important issue, chronic absenteeism. Uh, why is it that this is something that uh, captured the attention of leading political figures like Mayor Bloomberg and uh, President Obama? W- why do they want to make this one of their top priorities?
0: It's a great question, and first of all, thank you for inviting me to be here. I'm, I'm really excited about talking about this topic. So why have so many from mayor bloomberg to the president focused on the issue of chronic absenteeism i think it really is an important question and the reason is that it really i think that many have recognized that we cannot close the opportunity gap or the achievement gap without focusing on who's showing up in school and that chronic absenteeism undermines our effort as a nation to improve educational and life outcomes for kids. The data around that, around the devastating impact that chronic absenteeism has is uh, quite troubling and uh, quite significant, which we can get to in a few moments.
1: Well, let's go into that. So why is it that, what's the difference, first of all, between chronic absenteeism and plain old-fashioned, ordinary absenteeism? like I experienced, you know, every once in a while I didn't go to school. So why is this any different than absenteeism in general that we all know about?
0: Well, a few things to flag. First of all, chronic absenteeism includes excused and unexcused absences, and that's an important distinction in measuring it and looking at absenteeism as a problem in the country. So
1: I can't come up with the excuse that my doctor says I'm sick or my mother says... uh, it's time to go on the family vacation or something like that, that doesn't count. You still hold it against this poor child that the child is absent?
0: Exactly, because the predictive value of looking at the data for unexcused and excused, meaning even if you have a note or someone has given an excuse, really the outcomes uh, don't distinguish between excused and unexcused absences in terms of the impact that it has on educational outcomes. So
1: how many times do you have to be absent to be chronically absent?
0: Chronic absenteeism is generally defined by most practitioners and governments as missing approximately 10% of the school year, either for excused or unexcused reasons. That comes to approximately 18 days, which means approximately a month or more of school.
1: Well, can you spot it more quickly than that? Do you have to wait till the end of the year to find out whether somebody's been chronically absent or not, or can you catch it sooner than that?
0: The goal of almost all initiatives around chronic absenteeism is to catch it before you actually become chronically absent. So in many of the cities that are doing some of the most progressive work around this problem, they use the indicator of absenteeism as an early warning signal so that they can intervene before it becomes easier to drop out than to catch up.
1: Well, who does the intervening? I mean, is it, uh, principals are busy, teachers are busy, how can they really, what can they do about it and how can they afford the time given all their other responsibilities?
0: Well, I think that's where data plays a really huge role because it allows you to flag the students that are either chronically absent or at risk of becoming chronically absent. And in many school districts like New York City, for example, they have data systems which allow them to flag automatically students that are chronically absent or at risk of becoming chronically absent. And that's a huge challenge for a lot of school districts in this country because they don't yet have the capacity to do that, and so it becomes a much more difficult and laborious uh, problem well, to solve. Well, just a
1: minute now. Every school that I know of, takes enrollment every morning. I can remember the teacher doing that. So isn't that data already being collected automatically? So what's so hard about finding out about this?
0: So two things on that. One is that there's something, you're correct, that attendance itself is is regularly tracked in, in most schools and school districts. The problem with it that is that what's tracked is something called average daily attendance, and that really masks as much as it reveals because, for example, you can have in a school an average daily attendance rate of 90 percent, meaning on any day 90 percent of the students are there, but that school can still have a 40 percent chronic absenteeism rate because the students that are there each day are different students so therefore it's a really uh, dangerous metric to use average daily attendance and it's the one time when being 90 percent does not mean that you have an a and far from it and that's been somewhat of a challenge i think for school districts across the country because it also means that they have to rethink about how they think about attendance both from a data and metric-driven rate, in, including in terms of the culture of thinking about attendance. That so you
1: have to have a sophisticated set of software that can track each student's attendance rate, not just the average attendance rate at the school, but the specific attendance rate of each student, and that requires some new, old, new hardware, some new software in order to do that.
0: It could require new software, but I don't want to overcomplicate it. It's not always required. It really requires that you take a look at the number of students that are absent on a daily basis, on a quarterly basis, and on a a year-end basis. And the other reason that that's so important, there's a number of reasons why it's particularly important to track on the basis of chronic absenteeism. One is that it allows you to target the students that need intervention. And if we don't do that, we're really only uh, able to have school-wide interventions that will miss some of the more targeted efforts that are necessary.
1: Okay, so you're going to target this to the specific student, but that takes resources. Mm -hmm. Where do you get the resources? Who's going to work with that student? Where are you going to find the people and the resources to do that? How do you overcome that challenge?
0: So resources is an important question, and and it's particularly important here because of the scale of this problem in our country. Uh, It's estimated that between five and seven and a half million students in this country are chronically absent each year. Those numbers are higher in our underserved communities, unfortunately, since that we all know that schools are one of the best levers for eliminating students, children in poverty. Um, So... So it's really critical that when we think about how do we solve this problem, we think about interventions that are both scalable and cost efficient. And so many of the suggested interventions that are coming out of the White House, the Department of Education, and other areas right now are very mindful of the issue of scale and are mindful of using existing resources in more targeted, purposeful ways. So for example, Uh, in New York City, Bob Balfanz and the Johns Hopkins team did an evaluation of all of the interventions that we tested to see which had the most significant impact on reducing absenteeism. They found that one of the interventions called Success Mentors, which was a low-cost scalable model of reaching and targeting students that were chronically absent, had the greatest impact. And in fact, The outcome data on that was. So, who
1: serves (coughs) as the mentor? Where do you find the mentors? That does sound like a really good way to go, uh, develop a personal relationship with somebody who's uh, at risk. Mm -hmm. So, how do you find the mentors to, to do this?
0: And that and the question is really the exact right question to be asking, because it the challenge in connecting students and young people to mentors is always the question of scale and supply. And so this model of success mentors is based on data. Uh, which means that we look at the use the metric of chronic absenteeism to first target who needs this intervention then the second important component of it is is scale and supply of mentors and we're using four buckets that are existing resources that are already or easily linked to our schools the four buckets are as follows the first is what we call internal success mentors that's your school staff security guards teachers coaches those school staff who are already connected to the school the second is external partners that are linked to the school so that could be after school providers americorps city year tutors Um, they are asked to be matched to three to five chronically absent students Um, we found that that has been an enormous supply uh, source for mentors The third is peer-to-peer mentoring, asking 11th and 12th graders that are trained to mentor chronically absent 9th graders and 8th graders to mentor 6th graders. And the fourth and most recent bucket that we're now developing at the um, federal level with the Department of Education through My Brother's Keeper initiative is um, using federal work-study dollars to take college students that are Getting work, federal work study dollars, and putting them into nearby high need high schools to serve as mentors. So, though that's the source, and in New York City, in three years we were able um, to reach over uh, ten thousand students in a period of, of three years. We um, now in, in four months in working with 30 uh, My Brother's Keeper cities have reached uh, over 7,000 chronically absent students uh, throughout so the you're country. So are
1: bringing this to scale. So what's, what are some of the cities that are participating in the, in the My Brother's Keeper expansion of the uh, chronic absenteeism intervention?
0: Uh, there are uh, there were there was first a cohort of ten cities we started with in January and we brought them all to Washington. They were teams of uh, from the district and mayor's office and other partners came to Washington to get training. Um, Can
1: you give me a couple? A, a state? Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: Cities are New York City, Miami, Seattle, Columbus, Ohio, San Antonio. Uh, uh providence rhode island uh, and we've now expanded to include a tribal community and some more rural communities as well and we are in fact next month convening all the leadership from all 30 cities uh, to washington to do uh, training and to begin to talk to them about what a scalable rollout will look like in the fall for the beginning of the new school year. So
1: the plan is is to really ramp this up in this uh, coming uh, school year.
0: Correct, correct. The goal in three to five years is to reach a million students in this country. And the first step in that is these 30 cities that will be pilots for other cities that want to do similar work. And I think what is so attractive about this model is that it is using resources that already exist in these districts. So data which already exists and giving some technical assistance to districts as to how to use chronic absenteeism data. Um, And the second is using existing resources, people and the power of caring adults and peers that are already linked or easily linked to our schools. So the cost of a model like this is, Fairly reasonable to say the least because, at its heart, it's based upon using mm-hmm. existing, existing resource. resources. Mm-hmm.
1: But how effective is it, really? Do we have any evidence that actually uh, these kinds of interventions can reduce chronic absenteeism? Does New York have the data to show that their program, which has been around now for a few years, has actually had some payoff?
0: Uh, Yet, well yes, uh, Bob Alphance from Johns Hopkins Everyone Graduate Center did an evaluation with colleagues of his uh, at the end of three years and the fourth year of the pilot in New York City. And his study, which is public, found that there were significant differences in reductions of chronic absenteeism in the schools that had a number of these interventions. Uh, as as opposed to a control group that did not have, a similar group of schools that did not have these interventions. He also found that of all the interventions, the single intervention that had the largest impact was the intervention of success mentors, which is one of the reasons that it's now being rolled out at a more national level. Um, I can share with you some of the data that he found because I think some of it is quite interesting. First of all, what I think is was most exciting about his findings was that it had the greatest impact on the very students that we would hope to be impacted. So students in poverty, uh, there was a 15% reduction uh, for students that had success mentors. And by poverty, we're using the indicator of free and reduced lunch. For students that were in temporary shelter, he found that there was a 31% reduction in chronic absenteeism. Uh, And in terms of a dropout prevention strategy, he found that 51 percent of the high school students that had success mentors, 51 percent of them, uh, there was a 51 percent greater likelihood that those students were remained in school the following year than a control group of similar students without mentors.
1: So those are all very exciting statistics, but that's in the short run. So the question is, can you really sustain a program like this over the long run? Can, uh, you know, people's attentions drift after time. Maybe you get the principal enthusiastic at the beginning, but how do you make sure that, you know, if you you don't keep working at this, you're not going to continue to have it. How do you, it's great when the White House calls, but, you know, the White House is going to go away someday. How do you really embed this into the very thinking of our educational system?
0: That's a question that we grapple with on a regular basis. It's really the key issue when you talk about sustainability and true long-term impact. Um, It's for that reason that I'll just give again Success Mentor as an example. The reason that we are so focused on keeping it Uh, at low cost and scalable is precisely for that reason. And I think being able to use the bully pulpit um, of the White House and the Department of Education and other critical partners that have worked with us in this like Attendance Works, Mentor, the National Mentoring Partnership along with Johns Hopkins and United Way, um, that you're able to use the bully pulpit of the White House and the president to get this started and to bring attention to interventions that are high impact. The hope is that once they school districts and cities see the impact that this has during these years, that those efforts continue. I think a good example of that is what you raised at the very beginning of this interview in New York City. Uh, A similar model was implemented in New York during the the Bloomberg uh, uh, tenure, uh, Mayor Bloomberg's tenure. And that model has continued now in the next administration. And in fact, it's being rolled out in a number, um, I think in, in most, if not all, of their community school models.
1: Well, anything that can survive political transitions, there's got to be something good to it. Uh, and so this has really been an exciting opportunity to learn about how chronic absenteeism can be addressed in a serious way. Thank you very much, Leslie. This is Leslie Cornfield, the Special Advisor to the U.S. Secretary of Education and the Director of the Department's Office of Strategic Partnerships. I'm Paul Peterson, uh, Editor of Education Next. Uh, thank you, Leslie, for joining me
0: today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.